Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Authentic Christianity. You may notice a name change of this podcast, changing from holistic to authentic. I believe being authentic is at a deeper level of who I am, and we can't be afraid to discuss real issues, to discuss uh, what's right and what's wrong about Christianity, uh, to be unafraid of calling out hypocrisy wherever it may be, and really understanding who Jesus is and what Christianity is. I'm Michael Rett. Welcome. So, two weeks ago, maybe about a week and a half ago, I was at a symposium at Pillar College in Newark. And two gentlemen, um, doctor, they spoke, uh, two doctors, had their doctorates, and I'm blanking on their name now. But the one gentleman, was a gentleman and his son, and the one gentleman worked with uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and I appreciated his take on he's just very intellectually honest about issues. And his son, when his son was speaking, he talked about not being a punch-the-clock Christian. He said, are you a punch-the-clock Christian? Now, this can be taken a lot of different ways. And I think this could go for any faith, honestly. And it can go for just how you live your life. Are you just there? You wake up Sunday morning. Maybe you go to Mass Saturday night. Um, maybe you're Jewish on synagogue. And, you know, you honor the Jewish Sabbath and you just kind of turn everything off and it's whatever it might be. You wake up, you go, you sit there, there's some music, you don't like it, listen to a message, go home. Not that you're going to be changed from, uh, you know, zero to 180, but it goes in one ear out the other. I don't remember every single word from every single sermon that I've ever heard. Obviously, I don't remember a lot of what I heard this past week necessarily, but it's about creating community and fostering like a a worldview and the way of living that you don't just do it just to do it. So some people might say people are CEO Christians, Christmas and Easter only. I've heard a lot of people say, you know, stop doing church, meaning you just kind of go, you go to church and you're there. And some people are there like four or five nights a week. I actually think unless you're like specifically in a ministry, like maybe you're the pastor or lead pastor, something like that, you know, you, you need, you need some time outside of church to visit with people, obviously, to obviously spend time with your family, to exercise, and to do other healthy, have other healthy outlets that, you know, just going for walks, you know, that's connecting with God, you know, and um, I've mentioned multiple times exercise is a spiritual discipline for me. So where are you at? You know, where's each of us at? Uh, there's definitely been times in my life, and I think I'm there right now, where church is just, it's been a drag. It's been such a drag. Um, and I can't get into, you know, a lot of specifics, but, um, you know, my wife and I have had some discussions. We've, we've visited a couple other churches recently, you know, we've enjoyed it. You know, sometimes God leads you in a different direction. You should be sensitive to that. You shouldn't just stay in one place because you think you're supposed to, 
Um, now you pray about it and you feel like you're supposed to stay somewhere for a period of time. That's fine. But we all have different parts of our journey. You know, even, even pastors and other people in ministry go through this where you spend your whole life in ministry serving. It's very easy to get burned out. You know, I read a, a recent article by Diane Chandler, who's a PhD. She's a professor at Regent University and she did some research on pastoral burnout. And what it suggested was unless the pastor has a strong support system, like familial support, if he doesn't take enough rest and a certain percentage of the pastors only took maybe honestly like a day, um, and some even took less than that of just like rest taking practices to rejuvenate yourself. Um, you're going to get burned out. It's just like staying, you know, generations today and going back to even the baby boomers, you know, in the sixties to gen X and gen Y and millennials, you know, we don't stay in our jobs as long as they did the people born in like the twenties and thirties, what's known as the silent generation. Um, like the Willie Lomans of the world, so to speak, who just kind of stayed and they kind of went through the motions and, you buy your, you know, all right, now I do this and now I get married and my kids and now I buy my house with a impossibly high mortgage. And once we pay off the mortgage, we're free. And it's like, it's just such a wrong way to look at, at life. And, you know, that is not the American dream. The American dream is, you know, picking yourself up and finding a passion and being able to live it out just with some degree of, you know, work-life balance. It's at least some level of comfort, I would think. Um, it's not having the white picket fence and the two kids and the dog. It's, it's not what everyone else says it is. It's, it's ultimately what, you know, hopefully God leads you to, but also what you just feel in your heart and, you know, meeting the passions of your heart. We can't always do that. You know, sometimes we have to, you know, work jobs that we don't like for a while. I worked at a Starbucks for three years. I didn't really like it uh, hardly at all. I liked it for like a few months, you know, I'm actually looking for a summer job right now. And pretty much everything that I'm looking at, it's like, it's not something I really want to do. It's like some retail, some merchandising, you know, loading. Like, I don't want to do that. I'm not, I'm not built for that, but you know, I may have to do it. But the overall point is you're working towards something greater and you connect with God because connecting with God, connecting with God through Christ, that leads you to something bigger than yourself. And that's a really important aspect to have. I had the opportunity today to speak to the seventh grade class at American Christian School. Um, I teach the 11th and 12th grade right now. And seventh grade is was my worst year, easily. And I hated it. Oh my gosh, it was awful. I got bullied, I got beat up. Um, I fought back, you know, a couple of times, but I still got beat up. You know, it's when obviously all your hormones are changing. You start changing in a locker room. Oh my gosh. You want to like talk about humiliation. I was short and chubby. Come on. Um, I had no self-esteem, you know, hardly any self-esteem. You know, I wasn't taught how to have self-esteem. I wasn't taught how to defend myself. So I had the opportunity to share with them. And, and one thing I really neglect, I, I talked about being, having, you know, just knowing who you are in God, in Christ. Um, how important that is and knowing he has a plan for you to prosper you. And one thing I neglected to mention was that we don't know what's on, what's going on in anyone else. We don't know why people are doing certain things or why they're having bad days and whatnot. It's having perspective. Or the reason I bring that up is because it's, it's understanding 
developing that self-awareness. So when we're having a bad day, we kind of maybe understand why what's going on. And and at the age, at like the age, the seventh, eighth grade, you know, pubescent, prepubescent years, you don't under understand why, because you don't have, you don't necessarily develop that self-awareness you know, your brain, you know, hasn't developed to that point yet. And you know, even some adults don't have that either. And I know at least in boys that, um, what is it? The Abloom Gata, Abdullah Abloom Gata doesn't fully develop to like 18 or something, you know, or maybe it's 25, but the ability to kind of restrain yourself. Um, as I've said, there's, you know, when I've mentioned that to some of my classes, when I speak, if you look at, um, shows like Jackass or Ridiculousness, those kind of prankster type, goofy, hurt yourself shows, you know, it's 90% of it's guys doing dumb stuff. You don't get a whole lot of women. <laughs> so, because guys just sometimes act out their emotions, you have this testosterone. And a lot of it, and I'm speaking more obviously because I am a man, is if you're not fulfilling kind of what you're destined for or what you're passionate about. that's what God wants to reveal to you. And part of that is maybe you need to leave. Maybe you need to take a risk, go back to school, do something in the arts, try a new job, try a new church. It's not something that should be taken lightly. Um, one of my weaknesses sometimes is when I'm, when I'm in, I'm in. And when I'm out, I'm out. I'm very black and white in that respect. Um, I'm, gray in other words like in critical thinking but if i get the sense that i'm like all right this is this is done and i'm like i'm ready to go and that's that's good sometimes it's not always good because sometimes i could cut something off before it's the right time um so you do need to be mindful and prayerful but but we need to fulfill our destinies and we need to just stop living out what we think like say what other people want um you know so i, I teach a lot of kids and and you get burned out. I, and I'm sure kids that grow up in church families, especially pastoral ministry kids, pastors, kids, PKs, MKs, not ministry kids, mis- missionary kids. Um, you're so used to being in that kind of culture. And this is from my understanding. And I find it similar with a lot of kids that grow up Catholic that do like CCD and whatnot. They, they, some of them just, they turn away completely. They want nothing to do with it. Now, I don't know all the reasons why. I, I posit that I know for a good amount of them they just kind of see the hypocrisy and they see, why are we doing this? We're just doing it just to do it. We go home and mom and dad, you act like horrible people. You treat each other poorly. You treat me poorly. Um, you're not really a servant of God. Um, we just kind of do it out of guilt or because we think we're supposed to. You know, we just got to punch the clock. Did my church time. God is so much more than that. And Jesus is so much more than that. I mean, Jesus spoke in the synagogues and he reasoned with people, but he was also out, out among the people. He was talking with them. You know, he was out fishing sometimes. You know, obviously, he walked on the water. You know, I'm sure if he was out today, I know he'd be surfing. He'd be surfing. Maybe he did surf and it's just not in there. It said he did other miracles that we don't know about. So maybe he fashioned a surfboard out of, you know, something. Um, probably not many waves on the Sea of Galilee, though. He'd probably have to be near the Mediterranean. Um, you know, that's being authentic is being out and following your passion because so a lot of students of mine at uh, college students, cause I teach at a college level too. 
a lot of adults coming back because it's their time now. You know, they've helped their kids get through college. They've worked their, their multiple jobs. And I, despite the failings of my parents, along with many of the, the blessings I received for them, they sacrificed, they did, to help me get through school. And that's what a lot of these adults returning to school have done for their children. So now it's their time. And there's a lot of old, you know, there's people there that are in their 60s. I, I, I taught one class where a woman grew up in segregation in the South. And that blew me away. This is going back maybe seven, eight years. Because maybe they've made a promise to someone, to themselves, to a parent, to their children. And some of them come in and the, the, a lot of them are part of church bodies. And they get flack. They get people, why are you going to college? You don't need to go to school. You learn here in church. Well, if God called you to do that, you're doing it. And they have to talk to their pastors. Pastor, I need to take a step back. Why? Because I'm going to school. Huh? You're doing what God wants you to do. It's beautiful. Not everyone understands. It's kind of in a similar, it's not completely dissimilar from this example, the person trying to, trying to get clean from addiction. You know, the people that are still addicts, they don't want you to get clean. I'm not comparing people in church to addicts at all, though there could be. Or the person trying to eat healthy. Why are you eating all that stuff? Rabbit food if you're eating salad or something. My uncle, you said rabbit, you know. People trying to bring you down. Maybe intentionally, maybe not. People don't like when you change. That's why it's important to find a support system. It's not easy. I don't... I have good support in some respects, you know, with health and diet. But not at every place I go to. I don't have a lot of artists around me. That's difficult sometimes. You know, I don't have as thriving an artist community like I did when I was younger. Especially being in the theater in college, which was, oh man, a blast. Because people, people that just understand your perspective. So you say, do you need to find like-minded people? People that see your vision of, of, of Jesus, that Jesus wants you to live well and live holy and holistically and eating well and serving others and taking care of, you know, maybe animals and things like that. So you need to, you know, confidence, you need to do you. But not in a selfish way, in a humble way. Humble that you recognize who you are, wh- how you've been made, what's been placed on your heart, and you're going for it with God leading you. Thank you all. We'll see you next time.